There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no Encore for 2024. We're back, Adam. It's good to be back, isn't it? Sonic Architect Adam. Can I just tell you something? Like, when this comes out, this it will be incorrect, but as of the recording, it's still... It's still... It's still <laughs> fucking January. It's still January, yeah. A five-Monday five month. It's, uh, it's obscene. It's outrageous. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is outrageous. Uh, the ability to get no encore earlier than usual, because going forward now in this year, uh, patrons, if you want to subscribe at patreon.com slash no encore, you can get early access to the show. We've moved the recording day. We've upended our lives. Just for patrons. Just for patrons. Yeah. So if you want to get 24 hours early access to the week's show, the main event, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash noencore and you will be able to receive the No Encore Music Podcast on Thursdays. For those who just can't get it quick enough. Exactly. It will be in the regular feed on Fridays as it has always been. Yeah. Nothing is changing in that regard. But if you want to support the show and you want to hear the show earlier... It's out on Thursdays now on patreon.com slash noencore. What is noencore? Well, it's a compendium of many things. It's a music podcast, a life podcast, I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. And Adam and I are back now, Sonic Architect Adam, for another year. Uh, we got a lot of nice feedback. Not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we got a lot of nice feedback for the end of year episodes. Yeah, it was really, really nice to see those comments come in on both Patreon, Patreon and Instagram. At um, No Encore Show on Instagram. At No Encore Show on Instagram. At No Encore Show on Twitter slash X, I believe, still. I, I haven't posted it. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't use the account anymore because fuck that platform. Okay, yeah. Well, it's Instagram all the way, folks. No, at no Encore Show. And uh, yeah, it was great to get all of your lovely um, kind words in. Uh, I think the surprise for a lot of people really... Uh, really did the business so um, the return of Big Craig Fitzpatrick and of course you know people have been asking they've been like does this mean 
that he's back full-time on the show, that he's in fact returned to the fold as a regular weekly guest. Well, what do you think? I'm just kidding, he's yeah, not he's here, not sorry, here. no, he's not here. Uh, it was a one-time only, not a one-time only, it was a one-time only for the end of that year. I suspect you'll hear him back on the show in the near future, but it's not, you know, it's like, it's me and Adam, and I hope that's enough for you, because... Yeah, he's still a busy man. We're all busy men. We're all busy people in this busy life. Yeah, I like to think we've done good. I hope so. But again, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much. But it was a, it was a, it was a busy year last year. We had lots of different guests. That will continue this year. We'll, sure we'll still be having a, a chorus of different people coming in. But mm-hmm. for this week only, because we're coming back a week early, earlier than we planned. It's just myself and Adam in the just studio. Just me and you, man. It's just the sound me and of you. The podcast being turned off worldwide there. Um, <laughs> and we're going to do a January recap. But uh, to pat ourselves on the back one last time, you know, because again, we got some lovely listener correspondence, especially on the Craig thing. I mean, people were like, I think someone like emailed being like, I nearly crashed the car. And I was like, well, that's, that wasn't the intended effect. Yeah. So Brought a tear to someone's eye yeah, on the, was, the Patreon uh, comments. It brought a tear yeah. to my eye. I thought it was, it was really lovely. It having, was great. And what an episode in. that was. I, like, I, I think I'm still coming down off the high of doing that. It did not feel like three hours. No, no, um, it didn't at all. And I've heard people say that, which is nice. Speaking of Craig, I went to a gig with him last night. Yes, and how was that? Really good. Went to see Jeff Rosenstock in the Button Factory. Fantastic. I hear nothing but great things. Really good, it. really lively and energetic and cool, cool guy. Great he seems band. to be, yeah. You see, I've heard him interviewed on a couple of um, podcasts that I listen to and he seems like just a real swell dude. Yeah. He didn't play my favourite Jeff Rosenstock song. Well, then he's dead to us, isn't he? <laughs> Which is, I'm serious, <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, Craig's more into him than I am. He kind of made a playlist for me and I was like, yeah, cool, let's go. Um, I really enjoyed it. The bass player in the band wore a backwards cap and a Taylor Swift t-shirt. And he looks like he's an accountant in his 40s. I, I don't know how I feel about the whole thing. I can't picture this man. I really yeah. can't picture this man. They were cool, though, you know? Yeah, it, I, by all accounts, like I said, I've I've heard that the, the music is fantastic. I haven't, I can't claim to have heard any of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah like, I mean, it was in the Button Factory as well. It right? was in the Button Factory. Great venue for a, gig, for a gig like that. I don't know. It's okay. I think if you're not there early, you're kind of fucked. Like, cause we went in and it was wedged at the back. Then we went up the, up the stairs and there was nowhere to really go. And, you know, people, man. Yeah. What is the problem with life? People. <laughs> but there can be good people too. So we got, we got a message off someone saying a nice thing, right? We certainly did. We certainly did. We got a message from um, a listener of the show's uh, significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, so John, if you're listening, it's a happy for belated 40th birthday now at this at this. It uh, is at this stage, yeah, because we had the Christmas stage. break. So. But um, yeah, she sent your wife sent in a lovely message. Now apparently, uh, so John last name withheld. Uh, although we know what his last name is, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm told that you know whenever no encore goes on in the house, it's like sacrosanct. You know, it's like there can be no dialogue mm-hmm. between people. I don't know if I encourage that. You know, talk. Talk to talk to your loved ones. <laughs> but apparently no encore is such a big hit in this house that whenever he's doing whatever, it's like a ritual. And I will say as well, to narrow it down, yes, John, I am in fact talking about you. Happy 40th birthday. You're a Spurs fan. And I must say, only once, this once, will I allow the fact that Spurs took four points off my beloved Manchester United this season, uh, including a 2-2 draw on my father's anniversary, no less. So there you go. You'd think, you think they would have stepped up on that day, but no. Nah, typically United bullshit. So. We, uh, we had a few beers that night. It was nice. It was nice. Uh, happy birthday, John. Thanks for supporting the show. Greatly yeah. appreciate it. Yes. And that's enough backslapping for us and nice messages. But you can send nice messages to Sonic Architect Adam directly on Instagram at No Encore Show if you follow the account there. And a reminder, it's patreon.com slash noencore for early access to the show. We will be attempting to do some more bonus content in the weeks to come. Leave that with us for now. But this episode is about kind of just like getting back in, I think, getting sure. our feet under the table. We've missed a lot, I think. A ton, yeah. A lot has happened in the time that we were off since, because we didn't record an episode since mid-December. 
Yeah, my God. It's like, now February. It's technically. It, it's still January. It's still January <laughs> in the studio, but it's, it's almost still yeah, January. Yeah, so. No, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, I think the break, break is always nice at, um, at Christmas time it was coming necessary. into the new year. It's very, very necessary. necessary. I think, you know, we put in, a, we put in a good shift, particularly towards the end of the year with the end of the year eps and stuff like that. I say that coming off the back of listening to every single episode of No Encore. I still can't believe you did that. Uh, it was, do you know what? It's, it doesn't sound as bad. I do want to put it out there, but I, I didn't, Make no, no, Adam you didn't, you didn't make this. me do it. I took this. I'm not <laughs> no, a monster. No, Encore was my boulder and, you know, I'm trying to make a Sisyphean reference here. but It I, wasn't it, a Sisyphean task. It was though. not a Sisyphean task. Because no. you got a really good best of episode out of it. It was so. very, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And again, and that so, wouldn't have been possible with all the great guests we had last year, by absolutely. the way. So, to absolutely. each and every one of them, and I'm sure you'll hear many of their voices again, except Craig, who is once again banned from the Bad podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> had to do it. Uh, let's talk about some news, shall we? Yeah, do lots hit, to go through. Do you want to hit the sting? for all time's sake why not I'm off my game this is not good start spreading the news and if you thought we were going to replace Frank Sinatra you're wrong I might I didn't actually think about it until just this moment this is real time podcasting and yes please forgive a man being off his game I recorded a podcast today for the Indo Daily you know the Indo Daily podcast where I work on Vince McMahon you can imagine how much fun that was to do (laughs) grim fucking grim 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 go check that out if you want to but I I, I felt I was off my game I feel like I'm off my game you know because I haven't I think it's because we haven't been doing this for a while yeah it's muscle memory it is muscle memory you know we gotta get we gotta get the we got to get warmed up. we got to yeah, get back into it. We do. And I think, are we coming back in with a sense of guilt, maybe? I was having this conversation with Craig last night um, over a fresh brew, and I was saying how, like, we really ripped on Pitchfork when we were giving out about the fact that they gave SZA's album from 2022 their 2023 album of the year. Remember, Fionnula Jones and I had a row about it. Craig and I had talked about it as well on the, on the end of your episode, the awards episode. And I didn't want this to happen. I don't think anybody did. No, uh, if you've been, if you haven't been paying attention to hipster music circles and news thereof, uh, the Pitchfork website, the music criticism and you know news platform, uh, it's been around for a long time and it may not have much of a future left because it was announced in January that Condé Nast, the parent company which bought Pitchfork some years ago, is in fact winding it down to some degree. They're folding it into GQ. Yeah. Gentlemen's Quarterly, which is a, I guess GQ's become like it was like a men's magazine. It still is, but like on an online space, it's much more of an overall lifestyle thing. Like they do, they do those really good videos, the kind of you know iconic roles with and, the actors, yeah, which they, I love. What is it? Items like I can't live without. Items stuff. I can't live without. Like they do those, and like that's all speaking to a modern day culture in these bite-sized videos, but I kind of can't get enough of some of them and they attract big stars and they're still doing a lot of features and a lot of really good long-form interviews. Like, I, I think some people have been like, this is a disgrace because it's it's a men's magazine and you're sending the message that music isn't for women. I don't think it's that at all. I think that's a massive fucking stretch. But, like, at the same time, it isn't good news. The vast majority of Pitchfork's editorial staff were laid off. Uh, and this came, by the way, uh, a month or less after their union was told there will be no cuts for Pitchfork in January. Don't worry about that. And then they got rid of like long-term staffers, including some people who've been there for eighteen years. Uh, it feels like a union-busting exercise to me. They, uh, according to union members, there hadn't been any consultation at all between Condé Nast and and the and the union itself. Um, so yeah, I think it probably does fall under that. Like it was certainly. A bit of there seems like there's a bit of cloak and dagger ha- happening, or you know, you just it, it. There's a lot of moving pieces. It would seem 
it's a bad time for the media industry in general. There yeah, are layoffs, there are layoffs yeah. happening everywhere. Like they're happening close to home. They're happening worldwide. It's media has always been in trouble. It's increasingly so. It does feel uh, constantly precarious. Uh, you have to be, I guess, aware that that could happen. But it's still an absolute nightmare when it does. And you know, despite the fact that we were given out about pitch, some of Pitchfork's practices, nobody wanted this to happen. Um, yeah. uh, you know, at the same time, I'm shocked it kind of lasted as long as it did. Uh, and I do think that the, you know, like this is in no way a justification for what has happened because it's a fucking terrible thing for music and music journalism but at the same time Pitchfork I think has been quite high on its own supply for quite some time maybe change is necessary I wish it wasn't this kind of change it remains to be seen exactly what will happen the website is still operational there are still people working for it yeah, they're still posting reviews yeah, still posting active, news very active yeah it isn't they haven't done the fold in just yet etc cetera, etc cetera, but like it's not good it's bad no, and it's... And it's pretty fucking heartless, too. Yeah, and the whole thing, you know, for... It seems like Pitchfork is kind of the um, gatekeeper of, you know, qualified music journalism, I suppose, to a degree. Maybe that's the wrong... It's kind of one of the last heralds. Yeah. I mean, like, it is there. Like, the you, 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 you want, it, you want yeah. it to be there, even if just to roll your eyes at it. Like, you know, be like, oh, my God, have you seen what Pitchfork said about this? Mm. You know? Yeah, I, I uh, just cut a bit of an excerpt from uh, Nishka Chandran's op-ed on Resident Advisor about it. Um, it's a piece called Pitchfork News is Devastating for Music Criticism. Here's why reviews matter. And the, the little excerpt goes, criticism in film, art, or music helps us understand the world. It's part of a well-balanced media diet alongside news and investigative journalism and warrants its own real estate. Like countless other writers, I learned how to critique from reading Pitchfork to think the publication's grand tradition of rigorous boundary pushing. This uh, O-Texture review was written as a play and occasionally iconoclastic criticism could go extinct as tragic. And I just thought that really hit home. Um, it's also one it's one less place in, in general and like this is what happens like whenever new stuff is coming out and even like say like whether it's talking to musician friends of mine or just thinking in general it's like well who are you going to pitch to because so many websites are fucking gone and going and we need more of this not less Yeah, and of course as a critic I'm obviously going to defend the values of criticism but I really really do believe that critics and musicians critics, critics and artists are strange bedfellows and ultimately at the end of the day we need each other yeah. now there are musicians and artists who will not agree with that they will say that nope you guys have no right to comment or critique what we do especially when you don't actually play an instrument or have directed a film whatever I disagree with that inherently and vehemently I think it's crazy to think that you have to fucking step in the ring Be qualified to some degree yeah step in the ring with fucking Mike Tyson to know how to write about boxing nonsense if you dedicate yourself to a craft and criticism is a craft and I'm not suggesting for a second that I'm amazing at the craft but it is a craft I'm just gonna keep saying the word craft <laughs> it's a thing where you actually care you care you want especially if you're moved by something like when I reviewed Blonde for Drowning Sound I wanted my review to be as good as the album. Now, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. How could it possibly be? Sure, it absolutely could not. But I wanted to meet it on its level. Same when I get a bad album. I want to meet it on its level. Maybe have a bit of fun with it. And yeah, listen, critics have been cruel. Myself, very much included. We sometimes punch below and punch down, whether we mean to or not. And a lot of it is kind of, you know, learn the ropes criticism. That might not be fair. Why should some innocent musician be swallowed up with some of the more scathing stuff? But that's just the way it's gone. That's what criticism is. And I've seen some people celebrating Pitchfork going down, including some musicians who got bad notices. And it's a bad fucking look. In fact, other musicians, including, I think it was Scroobius Pip, who their album, the Dan Lissack and Scroobius Pip debut album, was destroyed on Pitchfork when it came out. I think it got less than two out of ten. Wow, uh, rare. And he tweeted saying, like, you know, 
uh, we still need this. Like, like it's. I'd rather have it. I'd rather have this existing than not. Like, yeah. like I, I don't know his exact words, but he basically was advocating for the presence of Pitchfork despite that horrible review he got. Mm. And I do think that you need criticism. We're going to get onto it at some point, but like, I am of the opinion that if you overhype something, I think it's worse for an act than a negative review. Yeah, no, I do. I think because what you're doing is you're inflating an ego that maybe may not necessarily warrant being inflated at that particular time. Um, there's, I, I will, I would like to go back to that, but on the topic of like criticism and the kind of, you know, the the weight that Pitchfork has among critics. Um, I was doing just a little bit of research on this, um, and. I can as YouTube is one of my many stomping grounds online. I don't tend to, you know, find much. I don't have TikTok. I don't like kind of tend to read a whole lot of articles and these things. But what I what I did find was um, a piece that Anthony Fantano did on it, and I don't think that look take or leave Anthony Fantano. I'm not his biggest fan. I thought he did a really good breakdown of. Um, I thought he did a really good breakdown of the Pitchfork news, but in particular why he, as a critic, finds it important. While I and Austin do put uh, a lot of research into these videos when it is required, and there are a lot of great YouTubers and video-based content creators out there who do the same, often when I am or when Austin is doing research for the content that we do, uh, we're looking up articles. We're not fucking looking at other YouTubers. <laughs> it's just a great and efficient way of divulging information to people, you know, reading, you know, the written word, fact-checking in writer's rooms with editors and the like. While certainly that's not a guarantee that uh, whatever you put out is going to be amazing or bias-free, it is one of the best ways to do it. And I worry uh, that the current age of social media-based commentary is kind of slowly killing the business model that that stuff was barely thriving on, barely hanging on by a thread uh, to be begin with. Yeah, I mean, I'm a researcher in my job, and I'm taking copy from other articles about, you know, whatever news story that we're covering. Sometimes, you know, I work for the Irish Independent, sometimes it's, it's, it's an Irish Independent story, and you're talking to the journalist who wrote it, mm -hmm. and that's kind of all you need to really get, and maybe some more background. Mm -hmm. Other times, it's an international story. And you look at different places like The Guardian, we look at Vanity Fair, BBC, whatever. Yeah. And for this podcast as well, whenever we're putting together a running order for music, I'm always looking at enemy.com and their their news section, Pitchfork, Pitchfork as well, of course, yeah. Stereogum. I mean, like, you know, I'm, sometimes you feel a bit dirty. You feel like, am I just taking someone else's hard work and then passing it off as my own? Well, it's not about passing it off as your own, it's about it's commentary on top of that. Additioning, uh, like adding to the conversation. Uh, hopefully. That's the, that's the intention, anyway, you know, and you don't, you know, like, none of us, we've, we're never pretending, I'm never pretending on this show that, like, I went out and interviewed Ed Sheeran and here's where the quotes come from. You need a place for these, like, things to live on, you know, um, and also hopefully get some kind of criticism. And Pitchfork also did do the occasional, you know, proper journalistic feature. I mean, they're the ones who broke the wind butler for Market Fire News. Uh, they they write good reactive pieces, you sure. know, comment yeah. pieces, opinion pieces, etc. Even, um, even the reviews, like I know there's like the review model itself is something I think, <clears throat> you know, we've challenged here on the show as to whether you can give a review and the review that comes out 20 minutes after, past midnight when the album drops and like all of these things, you know, yeah. where you can't necessarily 
sometimes you think you can't really get a full take in at that time. I think you do need time for things to set in. But at the same time, it's a good acid test. And generally, generally speaking, they do have their finger on the pulse. Yeah, let's keep it international, though, uh, because I want to talk about review. I want to review something. I want to review a movie, Adam. Yes, you went to the, the Cinematheque. I did. Why don't you play the, the trailer that I thought was a song, but it's a trailer with a bit of music in it. We're going to talk about this thing that came out a few weeks ago. My name is Regina George. We women have to trust and support each other. You could be really hot if you change, like, everything. Have you seen any boys that you think are cute yet? Do you like them? Sure. Oh, no, I don't have any. I, I was just... Get in, loser. Jonah Pelicati. Incorrect. You have to pick a French name. Chanel. No. Celine Dion. No. Beyonce. Did you laugh there, did you? I couldn't give less of a fuck about this thing. It's uh, Mean Girls, the musical, the remake, the movie. But it's just called Mean Girls. And they've, they've really dialed down the fact that it's a musical in all the marketing. <laughs> Deliberately. They, yeah. they said it themselves. Yeah. They said, if you say it's a musical, people are less likely to go. So yeah. they tricked people into seeing yeah. this movie. Like, I don't know. I think I just don't know why you can't leave a good thing be a good thing. It's been 20 years, uh, which is upsetting. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> 20 years since Mean Girls came out, yeah, right? Well. Good fucking movie. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's good. It is. It holds up, it's still funny. I have yet to go back to it in recent years, but I believe it's on Netflix at the moment. Probably is, yeah. And I'm all, I'm all for the rewatch. It ends with an orbital needle drop that I yeah. always forget. Yeah. Halcyon and on, mm-hmm. which also appears in Hackers. <laughs> That's right, gotta mention it. Yeah, Julie Hawk's gonna love that. Yes, she will. Shout out Julie Hawk. Shout out Julie Hawk. So here's the thing, right? Um... I went to see the Mean Girls remake thing because I thought I was going to be reviewing it and then in the end I wasn't, but I still had the tickets. So I was like, I'm going to go. Yeah. Let's go see the see the free movie. Um, it's really bad. Like, it's just, and like, you know, this, the, the songs are really bad. Like, they're just really unmemorable, mm. not catchy. And it's just, the thing that I can't get over is like, it's 20 years later. And so they've sanded all the edges off, all the jokes from the original. Like, you know, the original, like, the coach is having an affair with a student. That's gone. Yeah. Um, there's a line when someone in the original says, you can't hang out with them. It's social suicide. Now the line is, you can't hang out with them. That's socially ruinous. You know that famous phrase that 17-year-old girls use? Socially ruinous? <laughs> they say it all the time, man. Yeah. I like it's I, so stupid. And, and it's just like, it's so cleaned up. And it's like, that, it's called mean girls. Like, slightly impolite girls. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, I, this is the thing. Like, just, it, it was what it was. Like, we don't have to remake everything. And that... Bring, I don't know who it's for. Well, like, what, so... They made a Broadway musical. Yeah. Like, they I, made a Broadway musical a few years ago, and yeah. they've kept some of the stars from that in the film. Yes. Who can, and they can all sing and dance. Mm-hmm. But I find it weird, because like, like I said, they've sounded the edges off, but like, in a weird way, I think the girls in this one kind of feel more sexualized or something. It's it's a, there's a weird tonal smash, and they've just kept like most of the jokes in the original, but made them slightly tamer. And they're not that not like they're not that untame. Yeah, in the I, original, if it, no, it's a lot less white, which is fine. Obviously, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that's grand because the first one was very white, so like it's more diverse. Grand, cool, good stuff, but it's not funny. And the songs, like it's a fucking musical. 
If say okay, songs are terrible. I'm gonna throw a uh, a scenario out here for you. What if the songs were world class? Like, like then I'd be giving it a better rating than two out of five. But would it save it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> like it's based on a musical. I know it's a musical, <laughs> but like at the same time, like if it's they're really bad. Yeah, like, if, it's you know, just uh, if the stuff around it is still and like you know if there's maybe some miscastings or whatever it might be. Most of the casting the is okay. I, I think I will say I've heard like that. <laughs> Renee Rapp is having a great time on the press run. She's great. Uh, I'd never heard of her before. Yeah. Apparently, she's also a pop star. I uh, yeah, she's like yeah, she does her own her own music as well. Which okay. I, again, I didn't know about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and I, everyone's like everyone's obsessed with her. It's if you go into Letterbox, it's just everyone thirsting over her like ridiculously so. Yeah. No, I say ridiculously so as in like she's a very attractive woman. Fair play. Photogenic, I think, is the word that we use. Photogenic, in this show. yeah, photogenic. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, I respect the actor. I think that, like, and and the performer. I think, I think, as a as a person, she seems like just a a, a real laugh a minute kind of thing. Uh, she, there's a, a real good cut. I can't think of what the YouTube channel is, but again, YouTube, my second, stomping around, my yeah. second home on the internet. Um, I think it's a lot of people's second home on the internet. It's so I love it. I really do. Um, but there's like this person who cuts. A lot of people's like press interviews into like big super cuts of all the best bits or whatever, and then those kind of like semi meme edits, I guess, in 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 the thing. Um, I watched the Renee Rap one. I, I think it was like twelve minutes long, and it was genuinely hilarious. Like I I I really did come away from it enjoying it and kind of wanting to see the movie, which I guess I think is the I'm point. Seriously in love with Renee Rap. I need her so bad. Prove it. Prove it then. Renee Rap is making me feel things I didn't know I could feel. What are those things? Tweet them. Put it out there. Absolutely nothing could stop me from working. No matter how sad I am, not saying I'm sad, not saying I'm not. <laughs> but um, yeah, not like I think the reviews are very uh, lukewarm. Uh, it's better than I thought it was going to. Apparently, it was originally just set to go on Paramount Plus, but they fought to get it on big screens. And you're seeing a lot of people in America, like you've seen a lot of TikToks and stuff, people going to it and then the first song happens and people are like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and that's kind of funny. But yeah, uh, funny. keeping it keeping it movie musical, um, we, you know, I guess we missed all the exciting Saltburn discourse. Yes. Yes, we did. Because it, it, it hit streaming over Christmas and I guess, you know, like we, we were already... We, we we pulled our shutters down. So we did. we did. But I watched it, Adam. Yes, and I watched the really bad attempt to do the talented Mr. Ripley. It's have you seen it? I haven't, no. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. yeah it's fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking garbage. And everyone is like, it's so subversive. Can you believe it? No, it's absolutely awful. Uh, but it's packed full of tunes. So I believe, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, because it's set in 2006 or something, and so Block Party's on the soundtrack. Amazing, yeah. Um, Delighted they get a payday out of that. Bad fucking movie. It's terrible. I, I didn't hate it until I hated it, and then let me tell you, I fucking hated it. You really it. hated it, yeah. Barry Kogan. Can't do an accent, apparently. Uh, not a great one. Yeah. He's doing a Scouse accent in this. And how is it? Bad. Yeah. Intermittent. I'd say. Intermittent. Yeah, like yeah. every other scene. I've seen like, I've seen some takes on this, like and again I'm look I'm not There goes that accent. Yeah. No, but no, not the, even the that. Cheese meme, I, yeah. I, more so that like it's people I think are really just fighting the corner in the movie. People in, some in, people have absolutely taken into their bosoms, yeah. But in the sense of that they're saying, but he's not 
like he's faking it. So oh, that's bullshit. No, 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 no. That is absolute nonsense. Like, yeah, yeah. I like, haven't seen the film, and I know spoilers that's for the film. But he's right. a con man. Oh, who knew? Uh, like I saw the poster, I heard the vague premise. Mm-hmm. Someone compared it to Talents of Mr. Ripley, and I went, "Oh, well, then this will happen," and it does. And I was like, "Great, cool. We've done the most, the least interesting thing possible." But one Emerald of the Fennel, mo- one of the most interesting things. Like, we'll get to that. Emerald yeah. Fennel, who wrote this and directed it. It's it's written it's directed for fucking Twitter. It's for TikTok. It's like there are scenes shot to just be regurgitated online in fan cam mode. You know, she also did Promise a Young, Young Woman which is equally slightly better but still very bad. Mm. Um Another I think one she, I haven't seen. I think I'm she's a, awful. I'm a Philistine when it comes to I think to she's me. awful and I think we need to get away from this eat the rich bullshit because it's just the same toothless satire over and again. She is rich by the way. She's like an aristocrat. They have this giant house in the fucking movie and it's because she knew the people who live there and it's like cool good stuff. You're definitely the person to write this story. Um and like it's just it's really really bad. Um Kogan as well, while I'm on him, um, have you seen Masters of the Air, that new TV show? No, I haven't, no, no, no. I so haven't you, seen anything. I've been living in, so, you know, when we stop No Encore, I stopped doing everything else. You're in the studio. Yeah. Uh, I've been here. I've been here since the, the Barry Kogan, second Barry Kogan Kogan plays a, an, an airman, a, an air fighter yes. in World War II. Yes. And he's got a New York accent going on, you know? I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. To he's see talking it. about playing stickball with the boys. Yes, you know? And I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Everyone thinks this guy's great. Yeah. I'm sure he's lovely. But you know, I I understand it. I just I'm not I'm not in the cult. Yeah, like, and the I, reason I were mentioning Saltburn on the music podcast is because it closes with a fucking song, and everyone lost their minds. And Adam wants to talk about it. I I absolutely do want to talk about it because it is, I think, probably in my top ten songs of all time. Are you serious? Yeah, I no, love. No, 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 it's they, a very good. song. This song is so good. It's not even her best song. I, well, it's like or the best song that she's associated with. It, it's in every DJ set I do. Hands down, every single one. It's just so good. Right. The song. Do you want to hit the clip? The song is. Well, I don't have a clip of the song, but it is "Murder on the Dance Floor" by Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yeah, a song I think we can all agree. Yeah, no, it's great, but it's using this film for like absolutely ridiculous reasons. Oh yeah, gratuitous. <laughs> gratuitous doesn't even cover it. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I hate to be that guy, but I'm like, do you even like? You haven't seen the film, but have you had it? Spoiled? I know what it's about. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. And, for and again, I know the scene. I'm just going to, but that scene. I'm like, tell me, tell me what narrative fucking purpose that scene has. Just tell me. Come on, explain it to me there, listener. Probably, again. Oh, he's celebrating because of what he did, is he? Okay, cool. Do you, know, do you know what's also really good about this film, right? Tell me. You get to the end, right? And it does, it does the usual suspects thing, where it explains the film you just watched. Oh, great. And I'm like, no, that worked in The Usual Suspects. Is it got fla- has it got, like, flashback oh, montage? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in. It's two hours 20. I'm all right with it. It's absolute garbage. I'm all right with it. But I'm really glad I explained the film because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> It's just so complex. Have you got Sophie Alice Baxter talking about her? Because she went back to the top of the charts. She went she? back to the top Which of the charts. Which is fine. Th- that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, for someone who I suppose has been dubbed <coughs> as a bit of a one hit wonder. You see, I was going to say that uh, the song that she came to prominence on, yeah. which is uh, Spiller, Groove Jet. Mm-hmm. If this, this ain't, ain't love, love, then why does it feel? Why does it that feel song so good? Dave is an all timer. That's a great song. Yeah. I'm not saying Murder on the Dance Floor isn't, but it's I got think the Shaka Khan sample. That's magnificent. Yeah. Anyway, look, you got a clip, do you? I do have a clip. I have a clip of Sophie Alice Baxter on Newsnight talking about her. How bad Saltburn is. <laughs> now, obviously, you knew it was going to be in Saltburn. You had to give your uh, permission to use it to the director Emerald yeah. Fennel. Did you know it was going to be used in a scene involving the lead character dancing around naked and joyful? I did, and actually that was a big part of the reason why I said yes. 
<laughs> because I thought, I think I have to see that. Um, and you know what? Literally, what's happened with Murder on Dance and Saltburn is one of the things I've always loved about my day job, which is that you can be, you have to be really open to the unexpected and you can't plan what's going to happen next. So, yeah, this is a real adventure and it's part of the reason I love what I do. <laughs> like, genuinely, I put that film in my top 10 worst of last year. Great. Absolutely. Without any hesitation. It's no past lives, he says. That's my number one film of last year. <laughs> and past lives was snubbed at the Oscars, Adam, at the uh, nominations came out, you know? Yeah, there's a few. A Everyone's few lost their fucking mind. Choices. Everyone's lost their mind. <laughs> Barbie was snubbed with eight nominations. Snubbed with eight nominations, including Best Picture. That's a snub now, apparently. Did Past Lives get nothing? I think it got screenplay, maybe? Okay. Maybe something else small, but nothing nothing in the acting yeah, categories. Yeah, not acting, you know? not directing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everyone cares about the Oscars now because they saw Barbie, and they want Barbie to just win everything. I want Ireland to do a clean sweep. As in... The nation of Ireland. Killian Murphy's Ta- Oppenheimer. Killian Murphy. <laughs> yes, famously, Killian Murphy wrote, wrote and directed Oppenheimer. Um, no, I want. Yeah, I'd love to. But there's like a lot of um, Irish personnel, I think, involved in like certain production stuff and like props and a couple of other bits as well. Fair enough. Um, so it would like, and it's the first. Uh, I saw like a little, a big tear down of the whole. Um, or rundown rather of the whole thing, not a teardown. But uh, yeah, there's like a lot of Irish names on the on the nominations list, and it's the most that we've ever had in one go. So it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see. Um, you know, Barry Golden got snubbed apparently. Look, as if it was ever going to get nominated. He got nominated for Golden Globe, but it's a different category. It's not an Oscar movie, though, is it? Not like, at all. It doesn't. <laughs> not no, at it, all. it just. But it doesn't even feel like it's. I haven't seen it. Emma so. Fennell did win one. She won the best the best screenplay award for a promising young woman. So maybe they thought she'll get back in again because, you know, it's her. But no, thankfully, this all ends. Yeah. Andrew Scott wasn't nominated either. They thought he would be. Didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't. Another film I haven't seen. Did. I saw it the other day. And Verdict? Uh, in a word? This is All of Us Strangers, and I won't spoil anything. But if you know anything about the film, you know that it, you know. I, I, Dahi saw it, right? Dahi went to the premiere. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope I'm allowed to say this. I hope let's say that Dahi went to the premiere of a film. Premiere, yeah. Uh, and he he thought I think he thought it was good, but we were talking about it before, and he was like, he's like, yeah, um, you know, before you go see it, uh, you know, you might want to. And it was really adorable because I was like, oh no, Dahi, I'm aware it, it's about dead parents. I know, I know that it's okay. Um, but nonetheless, despite the adorably bashful trigger warning, uh, I cried like a fucking baby. Like I cried about four or five times. Um, but I also felt like it was just kind of really manipulative in that way. I think I think you know without saying anything too much. I think where it leads to ultimately, I think it's a bit too much. Um, okay. Yeah, it's got some good music in it, including, by the way, one of the greatest songs of all time, which is uh, "The Power of Love" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Which, yeah. if you if you recall, I think I played it for you in the studio. Remember the World Cup in Qatar, twenty twenty two December. <laughs> yeah. BBC's end ending montage <laughs> yeah. of the tournament was set to the power of love. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen and heard <laughs> ever. I was like, this is incredible. What a beautiful thing. What a song. It's a great song. There's part of me that thinks there's part of me that thinks maybe as a sport montage, probably not. The best but no, choice. I think they did it because they were like, this is Qatar and they've outlawed, you know, homosexuality. Mm. So we're playing the power of love. I thought I thought it was kind of like it was a cool thing to do. Very good. Um the film All the Strangers is good. Andrew Scott is good in it. I normally mm-hmm. find him very over the top. He's much more dialed down. Yeah. Paul Maskell does like a kind of a weird Yorkshire accent. 
okay I can't see that it he, works he strikes me again as someone who's kind of almost androgynous in the accent zone and it's like hard for him to <laughs> sorry be. that's the name of my new album androgynous <laughs> in the accent zone androgynous in the accent zone nothing but floor fillers I hope everyone's enjoying their movie podcast yeah, um, yeah. but I should say keeping it musical uh, in the in the best original song category, Barbie, which was snubbed, has two of the five nominations. That's weird. Billie Eilish is up for What Was I Made For? And Ryan Gosling is up for I'm Just Ken. I think, yeah. There are three <laughs> other songs as well. I will say, when it comes to like Barbie nominations, I, I, I do rate the Billie Eilish one. I think. I think the Ryan Gosling one is really good. He's up for Best Supporting Actor as well, and everyone went mental because they were like, isn't it fucking typical that a man, a man, in this film about patriarchy gets nominated? I was like, oh no, gosh, Ryan Gosling, whose character was written by a woman and directed by a woman, and, and it's a great, it's very well written and very well performed. I mean, she must get no credit for that. It's also for Best Picture, Margaret Robbie's a producer. It's up for Screenplay, Greta Gerwig wrote it. You know, like, can we all just calm down? Can we, can we stop this? Can we stop Hillary Clinton tweeting out? You know, solemnly. Oh, really? No, oh, it was that embarrassing. Happen, did it? Absolutely embarrassing. I'm glad I'm off Twitter. And Barbie's only okay. It's not a great movie. It's all right. It's not a great film. Yeah. The America Ferrera character, she's nominated. Yeah. She gets this stupid fucking speech at the end of it, and everyone's like, that's so powerful. I was like, nah, it's it's really cloying and dumb. But I don't whatever. Know, I liked it. There's a, there was a meme doing the rounds, and it was like, um, John Hamm and Mad Men a show I never really watched by the way I gave up on season one because I found it really depressing mm-hmm. um, but it was just like people were like oh people saying Barbie this Barbie that you know uh, like oh it gets no recognition like it's like a, a still from Mad Men and it's him just going that's what the money's for mm-hmm. it's like like they can do whatever they want you know Greta Gerwig and Margaret Robbie can do whatever they want for the rest of their career they already could now they really can I do think they will they're fine everybody I do think a lot of their nominations will win uh, it'll get a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, best original score, music at the Oscars, Should You Care, Poor Things, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, American Fiction, Killers of the Flower Moon, late one, uh, or rather posthumous nod for the late Robbie Robertson, and it's an amazing score. But of course, Big Ludwig Jarnson. Big Ludwig Jarnson is up there for Oppenheimer, which yeah. I hope wins. Uh, that, that is phenomenal, by the way. If you haven't listened to that, the Oppenheimer like, score. You no, know, I'm, I'm saying this to the listener. The oh, listener, yeah, yeah. if you haven't listened to the Ludwig Jarnson score for Oppenheimer it's like just like turn the lights off in noise cancelling headphones on or the best speakers you have I remember the night that we recorded the awards episode I was like tomorrow I'm going to the IFI to see Oppenheimer on 70 mil in screen one. How loud was it? The loudest screen ever. <laughs> uh, it was so loud that I was concerned for people in the fourth row. I can imagine just like... <laughs> I was just like, are they okay? It was... Uh, Adam, do you know what it was? You know that bit in The Simpsons, right? Yeah. When Homer goes in and like sits on the vibrating chair. <laughs> and then he's like, more power. And it's like, but sir, I said more power. And then it's just like, it's fucking... His eyes do the 2001 colour change. <laughs> That's what it was like. It was the greatest three hours of my entire year. <laughs> Apart from recording the podcast the night before. That was the other greatest Oh, thing God, what a back-to-back. Now, you want to talk about uh, awards and stuff, and we're going to keep it just in music this time. Thanks for listening. Yes, sir. Yes. Adam wants to talk about the RT Choice Music Prize. I think it's probably worth a mention. Um, yeah, so we had our... We have our full list of nominees at this point in Best time. Best Irish album of last year. Best Irish album of last year. The we awards also have, take place in the first week of March. They sure do. Um, we also have our Song of the Year nominees and our Breakthrough Artists Give us albums the there, would you? And our we, Irish Artists Give us album because the album, album is the big album one. Album is the one, isn't it? So yeah, so last year, uh, who won it last year? 
Last year it was CMAT. Yes, that's who it was. Yeah, okay. CMAT won it last year. What's the story this year? Uh, CMAT's nominated again. Sure. Um, Crazy Mad for Me, her new album. Uh, Green Chatting for, with Chaos for his the Fly, his solo yeah, album. Yeah. John Francis Flynn's Look Over the Wall, See the Sky. Uh, Kojak's Phantom of the Afters, Lancome's False Lancome, Rachel Lavelle's Big Dreams, The Murder Capital's Gigi's Recovery, The Scratches Mind Yourself, Soda Blonde's Dream Big, and Ezra Williams' Supernumeraries. Numer- super they are the 10 nominees for the album of the year. Now, I, I, can I just say, my big takeaway is I think it's really funny that Rachel Lavelle's album is called Big Dreams, mm-hmm. and Soda Blonde's album is called Dream, Dream Big. Big. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Right, is it? Do you think it's like a diptych? You have to listen to one first and then the other, and it then makes perfect sense. Same time yeah. and yeah. Your, yeah. your nose starts to bleed. Play one backwards. Yeah. Who's going to win? I think it has to be Lancome because they won every end of year publication award last year. The Guardian, lots of others. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but mm. that album was so critically acclaimed. Seems like it's a bit of a shoe in. I should w- be. I would like. There's like. There's a. There's some there that I like. I will say. Um, there's some I'm not familiar with and there's some I think arguably shouldn't be there. Um, Go on. I Come on, Adam. Do it. I Join the dark I side. Don't, I don't think the Kojak record should be there. Why? I just, I don't think it's a, it's enough of a, ch- like this is a, like again, a progression. Is yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. feel like enough of a progression. His last one, Townstead, felt like it just kind of went nowhere and this feels like not an appendage. I think that's a bit too demeaning. But I, I, I just an don't. Addendum, you mean? Yeah, but I don't know. I think I just don't think it's like if I look at the rest of those records, I think that they all are in a world. Maybe one or two others aren't, but I think that Kojak's one to me, and I. Uh, feel like an island because there's a lot of people who completely disagree with this and absolutely like there is a lot of good stuff on there I just don't think as a as a choice prize nomination it stands up to its competitors I think there's probably some other stuff that could have made it in there Um, yeah I uh, always wonder you know is it is it more personality over art uh, I don't know I think he's I think he's a great artist this is the this is the kind of bat, internal battle I have in my head. I think he's a fantastic artist. I think sometimes it's hard to see past that. I'm looking at this album particularly just by itself. Sure, sure. And I just don't think it stands up alongside John Francis. Like, look at John Francis. That's Jane's a great album. album. What a fantastic! I'd love to see that one in right? any other year that Lancome weren't there. I know. I, I think he has a great chance. Same with the scratch, but because yeah. Lancome were there, that like wins that battle. And I think it should win the overall battle. I don't see how you can't give that Lancome album the album of the year. See, Considering, the, like, you talk about progression, they won with the last album. How do they not win with this one? Yeah, yeah. I t- like, and again, you talk about the critical acclaim. That's it's had, too strong. Not even just in Ireland, worldwide. That's what I'm saying. It's too strong, and you can't ignore that. Do you, do you think it's open and shut this year? No, it never is. Um, well, it rarely is. Sometimes mm. it is, but it rarely is. I think that the personalities will be... I mean, like, fucking CMAT won last year, so there you go. Mm-hmm. There's someone who's got to be in the conversation at the end. I think Kojak, the name Kojak alone, gets him in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, like, it's hard. Apparently Soda Blonde have always been close or whatever. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I think it's it's just, like, I don't know. I always wonder, like, how much do people care anymore? Um, you know, like, how much buzz really is there? But 
I think it's got to be Lancome. I just think it has to be. I, I think it's kind of, if they don't win, it's like, well, that's a bit weird. Yeah. What's your take on the, like, the nominations as a whole? You know, like... Fine. Ra- yeah. Rachel, Rachel Lavelle's album, obviously the first... Everyone one, loves that The album. first one. Uh, it's the first one to debut, and it's been kind of long-awaited. Yeah, everyone... Uh, it got raves. Yeah. Rave reviews. Yeah. People are in love with that record. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, I'm trying to think in terms of snubs, were there any snubs. Would have been nice to see Dan and Felix there, wouldn't it? I... Great fucking yeah, album. Yeah, I think that's... A bit of a there's always a, a bit few, of a big miss there. There's for, always there's always misses. There's always a, a few where you're like, you know, I think Jape had an album. He's a two time winner. Yeah. He's not in there at all. Yeah, I, there's I, like uh, look, I I've I've a big bias on this one. I do think Melina Malone's album should have made it into the conversation. The first kind of big R and B neo soul album to ever come out of the country just feels like it wasn't even thought about. You know. Maybe it wasn't. But maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. Maybe it just the didn't make the as cut. Well, you know, Who it's knows? a combination yeah. of things. I Who mean, knows? like it's never a conspiracy. It just kind of is what it is. No, of course. And like I say, that's a. Com- I have co-produced that record. I am very biased. How dare so. you? How dare you create art? Yeah. Uh, give me the song of the year nominees. Now this is all. Okay. This is like public vote, isn't it? And this like, is public you know, vote. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I, and I think judges as well might be involved, but it's primarily public vote. I think. Or at least I has think public been. vote is the one that traditionally kinda, has been. So yeah. go on. So song of the year nominees in alphabetical <laughs> order. We have Chubby Cat with Big Dog Barking. We have, I haven't heard it. Yeah. Uh, we have C Mat Stay for Something. We have Keen Ducrow's Heaven, which is a song that was everywhere over the last 12 months everywhere he was flash mobbing people with it John Francis Flynn's with, Mo- with Mole in the Ground Niall Horan with Heaven again ooh, two songs named Heaven two songs named Heaven who will win uh, <laughs> Hosier's Eat Your Young Jazzy Giving Me Kojak Wolf uh, Lancome Go Dig My Grave and Soda Blonde with Bad Machine I think it's Jazzy's to lose that was the first Irish number one in a long time am I right Is that, that, that's the song I yeah it's uh, the one that was done by Belters Only as well okay um, or produced by them but it's the it, 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 it'll probably be keen to crawl though because it, it comes down to engaging a fan base to vote for you basically well then again there's like Niall Horns on there yeah well, you know? he, he usually just doesn't really engage with it and Hosier as well now we've had um, they've they've started adding new categories you know? they have so give me the give me the breakthrough artist of the year will you uh, breakthrough artist of the year nominees we have 49th in Maine Jazzy John Francis Flynn Oxen and the Scratch right okay um, yeah I think <laughs> I know where you're going with this because I'm right there with you I saw the Scratch play at a house party in 2016 like I, like, I know it's a house party but like they were on the scene shortly afterwards and they've been around for quite some time see this is my selling like, out venue after venue what, what's the criteria amassing here? a massive fan base yeah how is that breakthrough? How is Oxen breakthrough artist of the year? They're, all, they're it's a super group and they're new, right? Oxen. They put out their first album last year. They put year. out their first album last year. <laughs> How is John Francis Flynn break, breaking through on his second critically acclaimed album? Like this uh, is mental. Uh, like there's like again Jazzy uh, wins this by the way. She has to. Oh my god. Like if That's if it, actually if a breakthrough artist. Yeah, and 49th and Main are as well to a degree. They've been around, they've been doing stuff for the past couple of years, but they've been, you know, they've gotten their little viral hits and they've gotten the radio play and they've got their, you know, their TikTok ones that have done well there um, from all accounts of what I can understand. I don't, I, like, I, I would just love to see what the criteria is because, like, who in the, like, who in their right mind is putting... <laughs> the scratch in there. Who in their right mind is And that's not a knock at the scratch. It's no, just no, no, no. Like, it's just it doesn't like, make any sense. What, like, how does that make Yeah, how does that make sense when you said for example, in 2016? Not, but, but for example, that's right. eight, <laughs> give, eight years ago. Give me the next category, which is Irish artist, overall Irish artist of the year, right? Yeah, Irish artist of the Five year. Five again, numbers. who are they? Yeah, C Matt, Keen, Ducrow, Hosier, Jazzy, and Lancome. Like, the scratch could be in there. 
That would make more sense, wouldn't it? Would make it? way more sense. But no, they're in yeah. breakthrough. Um, Mate, do they start getting fucking radio play in 2023? I mean, is that what is that what that means? As for this one, Irish Artist of the Year, um, take your pick. Why is Hozier in there? For what? Releasing a fucking another mediocre album. I'm in with I, an insane amount of writers on it. I'm in. Two, I'm in two minds about the, the 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 choice prize, including artists of the caliber of Niall Horan and Hozier. Well, Niall Horan's not in this. It, no, but he's in oh, sorry. Song of the yeah, Year, yeah, yeah, and the likes of Dermot Kennedy and stuff like that. And yeah. it's not because it's not because I don't think the music is good enough to include. It's because I think it skews it in a way that is, I like I don't. But they never win these things. Uh, no, they do though. Do they? Dermot Kennedy is one. Niall Horan is one. Like, and it, all they have to do is tweet it one time. <laughs> like, seriously, they tweeted once to be like. Hit the link there, throw, like you know. And I that, think that they've previously said, "Don't vote for me." Vote some for have independent yes. artists instead. Some have, uh, but like, is this a thing that it should be independence only? I I'm, don't. I don't know. I'm Does that the, take away from it? I'm of the opinion that a lot of this is to create awards for artists that they want to give awards to. Specific artists that they want to give awards to. Just, I mean, there's probably we got to give them something. An element of truth to that, but we're going to win an album there. We got to give them something. You but know? it's also been around for a long time. I know, but that's why they're adding these new categories. Yeah, and the new ca- like the new categories, it feels like there's a lot of tokenism there. Um, in what sense? In that regard, the regard that like you know they didn't win the big one, so we'll we got give, give them a small yeah. one. You know, Dahi made the point ages ago. He was like, "Do a fucking music video award." I'm like, "Yeah, they should." Yeah. There are still people making really good music videos. Fantastic ones. Putting money into it, putting time into it. There's a great one this year that's come out from a, a rapper called Courtesy who's very kind of, you know, underground at the moment. He's getting a bit of a name for himself as someone who's going to be a bit of a rising star. He's uh, got a Kojak cosign. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's doing lots of good stuff. But he had a claymation video. Cool. And it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. There should be a space to reward that. Especially yeah. at this night of nights. You know, the yeah. night of nights. Now, I'd like to see a producer of the year award, but look. That's... Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe a bit too inside baseball for... for... Oh, massive inside baseball, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it, we need a photograph of Keen DeCroc getting an award, so... <laughs> uh, here's the thing, right? Next year, I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you that this time next year, when we're reading out the list again... We'll that's... be saying the exact same thing. <laughs> Probably. And also being told that we're not invited to go to the party <laughs> yeah. anymore. Um, but here's the thing, right? Sprints, uh, who put out their debut album, yeah. Letter to Self, yeah. in January. Yeah. I think it was the first week of January, possibly. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it kind of fell under the radar for me. Barring, barring shocking events, they will be nominated next year for Album of the Year. I guarantee it, because yeah. people have absolutely fallen in love with this album, and mm-hmm. I think it's good. I, I agree. I think it's good. I agree. Um, I think it's decent. I'd love your take on it, and then I want to give you mine. My take on it is it's a good album. It's a bit familiar. It's a post-punk album, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of those in recent years. It's good. It's well-produced. Some of the songs are pretty good. Very well-produced. I think it's a bit repetitive. Yeah. Um, I think there's a formula at play, and once I kind of realized that that was a play, it just kind of kept happening over the course of the record. I really hope as well. I think... Oh, well, I... I no, no I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think it is. The formula? No, Yeah, because it happens... In the first three songs, I just want to make the point that I think this is a good album, but I think people have been overrating it, and I don't. And that's not knocking the album or the band. I just think that I've seen five star reviews and Hot Press, my former stomping ground. Yeah, Adams' yeah. YouTube, mine is Hot Press Magazine. <laughs> um, they gave it a nine out of ten. That's fine, but like its debut, and they said like it's the it's 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 time to add this to the best Irish debut albums of all time. They're like it's as good as Boy by U two, and like Stuart Clark wrote that. 
deputy editor, and I love Stuart to bits, and I'm not calling his integrity into question here for one second. I believe that he believes that. I just think it does more harm than good when it, you say it, that this is the fucking greatest Irish debut album, like or like the new greatest Irish album. It's like, we're, we overhype acts in this country like fucking crazy, and I don't think it's good for them. I just don't. No, you're, I'm not looking you're right. to piss on anyone's party. No, nope. uh, it's a good album. Fair play. People seem to be really be into. It. Apparently, live they're amazing. Apparently, good for them. I haven't yeah. seen them live yet, but I just saw some of the notices, and I was like, okay, you know what? I've seen notice after notice. It's time for me to give this thing a listen. And I was like, this is good. Listen to it again. Yeah, it's good. I haven't gone back to it. Yeah. What's your take on the formula? My take on the formula is every song takes a minute and 13 seconds to get started. That's very specific, Adam. Yeah, and if you, I swear to God, listen to the first three songs, it's the exact same thing. It doesn't drop in until the until after a minute and 13 seconds. Okay. It's uh, like, I swear to God. Now, what I will say is that, w- that to me is a track listing problem. Right. I think that the album is is produced so well. I think the mixing is incredible. Like listening to the record, it's like it is a joy to listen. It's to. It's been in development for quite some time, I think. A lot of time and, and energy and love was put into this thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But like again, the team behind it, it, it was really, really fantastic. Daniel Fox of Gilliband, yeah, um, rarely misses. Rare, like, I'm not sure he ever does. He has. Hey, now I'm overhyping something. Although I love and I do love Gilliband. I no, do but love like Daniel he has Fox. an incredible he, hit rate. He's fantastic. Yeah, but that's I think a testament to his taste in you know what he does too and he he's able to call those plays and he's able to you know see the good in these things to take these things on you as a producer you like to think that you, there is an element of that in every producer it doesn't matter what you do but um i think it sounds fantastic i think the recording methods are great you, I, there, there's um for anyone who's interested there's a a little kind of mini documentary they shot um in the studio that they were in in france um for for like the whole time they were there just like it's it's very it's very short it's only you know 10-15 minutes but it gives you a good insight into like the whole process and how it was done and there's a bit of live elements and it does feel it, it it's it's immersive to a degree yeah um i do agree that i think the album is on the it's teetering from good to great but i don't think it's like again that's probably just my taste though so yeah. I, I feel like there's probably an element of that that's skewed. I do think there is a lot of this stuff coming out of Ireland right now. A lot. Between here and the UK, like you look at Fontaine's DC, prime example, Murder Capital, exact same thing. Thumper. Thumper. Gurriers. Gurriers. Melts. Melts. There, like, there's so many of them. Sprints fall into this world Which as well. Which is totally fine. And I think it's a genre. That's I grand. think maybe like, I'm, just a bit, I'm just a bit tired of it. Yeah, I, that's why I was kind of surprised by people being like, this is fucking revolutionary. And I was like, it really isn't. Yeah. It's good. It's a good rock album. Yeah, I think... Or post-punk or whatever label you want to throw in it. Yeah, no, I, and look, I think I'd be excited to hear the second record because it's going to be a development from this. Sure, you know? yeah. I think that's... Well, you hope so. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's, it's exciting. But it's like, already been proclaimed as the greatest thing ever, so it's like, cool, that, where do you go from there? See, that I don't agree with, and I'm going to go back to the point you made about hyping up people at this state. Now, look, it's not like they haven't been around for a while. They absolutely have. They've had EP releases. They've been releasing singles for a long time. Um, on my Discogs research, they've had vinyl releases as well. So, like, it's it's not their first rodeo you know they've been working hard at it for a while and you know they should be receiving their flowers for making an album I still do I I do genuinely believe that as a musician or as a band or an act the pinnacle of 
achievement you can do is to make an album. I don't, I think everything after that is a bonus. If you, because like you shouldn't be doing it for the masses, for people like me and you to be sitting here talking about it. They should be doing it for themselves first and foremost. I'm sure they are. Doing and they it for absolutely are. There. But, you know, there's people who look. They don't it. strike me as cynical at all. No, no, um, no. They seem like they seem like very, very genuine, genuine people. And that, I, yeah. like, I don't want to punch down on it. You're not. I like if anything, like, the criticism is is largely of reception and people just kind of going a bit too fucking. I, th- I think I'm like, again, yeah. I'm not here to be like, don't get excited about a thing. <clears throat> I just, I'll always have that problem. I'll mm-hmm. always have the problem when someone tells me, "Well, this is fucking perfect." I'm like, "Is it though? Is it perfect? No, really? No, nothing's perfect, but sometimes that's the, what makes my, it great." My former thing, by the way, was not. That thing it wasn't one minute and thirteen seconds. That's oh, such a producer thing. The first three songs, like there's I no. Say, my my thing was just a, a kind of a vocal repetition. I thought there was kind of a, a vocal, like a, a style, a, like a way of doing something that kind of crops up on like three or four songs. And I was like, yeah, that's effective. But you keep doing it. Mm. But look, you know, that's just see. There you go. This is what criticism is. You know, mm. there's. I will say there's a couple of great songs. Not always right. A couple of great Not songs on it that I love. Yeah. Um, shaking their hands. I thought is so well written. I thought that was really really good. Um. I thought the playing on it was really great. Um, I liked Letter to Self as well, the closer. I thought the closer was well, well picked, well placed, well produced, well written. Um, I'd like to spend more time with it, to be honest with you. I think, to be honest, I think I will go back to it. That was another thing in the Hot Press when it was like, having spent two weeks with this, I can now proclaim that it's one of the best Irish debut albums ever. And I'm Mm. like, I'm sorry. I love you, Stu. <laughs> I don't agree with you. Mm. Uh, but that's fine. Disagreement is okay. And listen, best look at the choice next year, Prince. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Be, would I they? Think they're, I think they're probably in with a shout already. Well, would they be in with a shout of the Eurovision Song Contest? Adam? Absolutely not. <laughs> Adam wants to talk about the Eurovision. I do. I tried to talk him out of it. No, I didn't really. But yeah. No, no. I've, no. I've actually talked about it quite a bit on the radio lately, so I'm just going to shut the fuck up. As an expert. Okay. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, so there's a couple of things. I think first and foremost we should talk about the uh, the kind of Irish Artists for Palestine um, conversation. Who are they? So who are they? Irish Artists for Palestine are a group of creatives in Ireland um, who are very much on the side of Palestine and the current conflict in, um, in Gaza. I am very much in there world I t- I do believe that there is a genocide happening yep. um I do believe that Israel are being ex- extremely heavy-handed and are just committing war crimes, committing war crimes basis, doing yeah. things that are completely off off the books um I think that they will be tried for it I think that they will be convicted of stuff I think that they won't do anything about it but I I do I do have faith that you know the the world will see that Palestine, you know, deserves to exist and that this is all very, very wrong. Yeah, it's horrific. Um, absolutely, it, horrific. absolutely, absolutely horrific. Um, abhorrent, disgusting. Abhorrent, like, it, news reports up as far as yesterday and the people disguised as Palestinian citizens going into hospital and shooting people dead. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah. A- anyway. In the cultural world, uh, like, the cultural world is responding constantly to it as well yeah. and, I, and I think over and around like I mean it's like I guess in some respects I think we're, we're perhaps outliers and making very massive public statements whether it's Gig for Gaza in the Three Arena mm-hmm. whether it's a friend of the show Hugh Carr putting on a, a house party yeah and, g- the gaff for Gaza yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like uh, and like having people play at a house party and like giving the phones to uh, I think it's Doctors Without Borders yeah, um, yeah it was indeed yeah. a lot of people in the arts community and the music community in Ireland are responding in positive ways and again Irish Artists for Palestine is providing a platform to promote these things that are happening um, I don't know if they're assisting with organising I, I, I don't know exactly who 
who was involved in its foundation or anything. But um, by all accounts, I'd, uh, a, very, a very large force for good. But in terms of the Eurovision, um, they are calling for uh, RT to boy- boycott the Eurovision and to not show it unless you're, unless Israel are removed from the competition by the um, by the governing body of the Eurovision, whose name escapes me at the moment. They are joining other countries like Iceland and, and some others. Have Iceland, kind of- Norway. They're, uh, as recently as yesterday, um, at time of recording, Swedish artist Robin has come out. Yeah, it's um, in Sweden this year, of course, and said that you know <coughs> Israel should shouldn't be in the competition. There's a talk of double standards because Russia were taken out after the invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the governing body of Eurovision is saying that Eurovision is apolitical and Israel will participate. I and mean, it's funny because like... It's, that's total horseshit. Well, it's funny. And the reason, and this is actually like the more playful side of things because like when I was talking on Radio Nova with Kieran McGuinness there last weekend, uh, he made the point that the Eurovision's always been political. He was like, we give points to other fucking countries. Countries are competing against each other. Granted, like it's a playful, you know, music competition, but mm-hmm. it's political by its very nature. And as you say, yeah, Russia were thrown out. That sets a precedent. Can't really walk. Massive precedent. Can't really walk that back, can you? Like, but I just don't get how you can, how these people can sleep at night. Like the Eurovision organizers. Yeah, and in saying that, oh, no, this is fine. What's happening over here is fine. Because, like, what's the difference? There is, like, there's zero difference. Yeah, I mean, we can speculate, but it is all very grim. And there is pressure. Yeah. There's increasing pressure on this, and uh, but silence at the moment. There doesn't appear to be any indication that uh, that sorry, uh, Israel will be thrown out this year. Yeah. So uh, all of which leads to yeah. Ireland's entry. Uh, yeah, but first and foremost, I just want to go through a quick um, a quick petition that yeah, yeah, th- that they you. have, um, just because I think that their uh, kind of blurb on the petition does sum up uh, a lot of it. So this is an Irish artist for Palestine uh, petition. As of the time of writing our notes, it had over ten thousand signatures. I imagine that's much much higher now, and um, because this it was um, a couple of days ago when I wrote when I wrote that in. Um, so they are calling for a boycott of the con- of the song contest along with Phil- Finland and Iceland demanding an exclusion of Israel from entering and the petition reads the Eurovision song contest is celebrated for its diversity and unity but this is contradicted by its decision to include Israel despite ongoing human rights violations in Palestine why is this important? The exclusion of Russia from Eurovision in 2022 following its invasion of Ukraine was hugely significant and demonstrated Eurovision's capacity to take an ethical stance on human rights. Martin Oosterdal, Eurovision's executive supervisor, previously spoke about this decision regarding Russia, stating, when we say we are not political, what we should always stand up for are the basic and ultimate values of democracy. And yeah. that's the end of the, that's the end of their statement. I think that... Reasonable. It's, ex- I don't, I just think it's black and white, to be honest. I think that it's, it's, the double standards are massive. I think it's shameless. I think, I, I could, look, I could go on and on um, I won't. I'm very much on the side of Palestine. I think that Israel should be thrown out of the competition and RT should boycott it. I've signed the petition myself. I have no issue saying that. Um, Nor should you. As uh, as an artist who, you know, believes in human rights yeah, and equality. Course, yeah. So, 100% with you all the way. Yeah, um, this I, this I, podcast I, is very pro-Palestine. We've said this before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, like I said, the reason I say at least the Irish entry is because we now know who the Irish entry is. And I was making the point in the run-up to the Euro song on the Light Light Show where six artists, six different artists were competing, much like last year, to be picked as Ireland's representative. I was making the point that 
the timing of this, like, do you want, like, do you want to be the artist that goes? This is the this year. Yeah, it's, do you want to be associated with this? Because surely your peers, Irish artists with Palestine, are gonna are gonna be like on one side of the room, and while they're like in any other year, this could be a great move and a great thing to support. And as you say, the Eurovision is very inclusive, and people have fucking parties. There are pubs that show it. Mm-hmm. People plan their like their their calendar around it sometimes. I mean, like you know, we can scoff at it and say it's a load of nonsense. But like I've I've long moved past my snobbery for that. Like who cares anymore? If it gives people escapism, great and joy. Not, not harming me at all. Yeah. You know, like I don't really watch it, but I don't decry people who do anymore. I definitely was that guy for a while. Of course mm-hmm. I was. But now I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. But stuff with like this enters into it. And it really does change the game. And that's why I just wonder what it's going to be like for the representative of Ireland. Which is Bambi Thug. Bambi Thug, an artist I'd never heard of before. Yeah, non-binary artist from Cork. Based in London? Based in London at the moment, yeah. Um, uh, Cassayette, they they tend to work with Cassayette, who is quite a popular London-based, uh, I guess, like hyper-pop artist, um, like goth hyper-pop kind of, that world. Very in, like, Sophie's wheelhouse oh, yeah. I think um, rest in power rest in power to Sophie an amazing amazing producer play us a blast of the track would you it's called, I, it's I, called Doomsday Blue I think I will I'm going to give you the chorus because I think it's very 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 catchy It's cool, yeah. They describe it as Ouija pop. <laughs> when I was on, that's today, so accurate. When I was on it? today event last week, and I was like, described as Ouija pop, and Matt Cooper was like, "Sorry, what?" <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, get with the times." Um, yeah, it's it's cool. It's different. I, and like I say, I was saying this as well. I was like, I'd never heard of Bambi Thug before, and mm-hmm. now I have. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, and there is a back catalogue which is going to be great for a lot of people who... Well, more and more established artists are getting involved. I mean, this year you had Eric Cody, yes. Jay Yellowell. Yes. Uh, last year, Wild Youth obviously did it. You yes. know, it's like, it's not just like, let's take an unknown from their bedroom. Like People actually want to be in this competition, but do they want to be in the competition now? This is the question. If it progresses, right? And if, if Eurovision come out tomorrow and they say, we're not excluding Israel from the competition for whatever reason that they choose, perhaps being accused of anti-Semitism, whatever. Does Bambi Thug then say, I'm staying in? Is that a bad thing? Do they deserve criticism? What happens? So so this is the rock-hard place situation that I kind of think Bambi Thug is faced with, unfortunately, because they've come out as vocally pro-Palestine. And anti-genocide. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, this is what... Like, I wouldn't... Look, I wouldn't like to be in their shoes because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. In a lot of cases, it's a tough, I know which side yeah, I would it's lean tough decision on. In one respect, if you're like, look, you know, I want the platform and I want my music out there and maybe some people will turn against me, you know, and they don't deserve to be caught in the firing line of that. No, no. But no, at the no. same time, I just don't think going, and not, like I'm not suggesting that whether it's Bambi Thug or any artist that's going, I, I don't, I don't want to see if Israel had kept in. I don't want to see an artist there and oh, oh but they have a Palestine flag. Like that's not good enough. There'll be you I gotta think, pull out. There'll be disqualifications if that happens. Really? I, I reckon hundred percent. Really? I, I do think I do believe that, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. So they're trying to like go, we're not political at all. No statements. 
Because that's come on, people I, like I I I will nail my flag to the mast on that regard. No pun intended. I think that there will be repercussions for those who do show explicit. When's it taking place? May is it? Yeah. It's usually May, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long way away. April, May, I think. I, I think it's May. Can't remember. It's usually yeah. May. Um, I do. I do. I and unfortunately, I do think they're not going to kick Israel out. I don't think they are either. Um, I personally, if it was me in Bambi Tug shoes, I would elect to not travel. Um, I mean, it is it is a case of wait and see. It, I think it is a case now. of wait and see. There's look. It, it appears there may potentially be a, a truce on the horizon. Um, really, there is talks being brokered at the moment. But look, I, oh, I don't know. I, I I don't know either. Anyway, look, um, keeping on the music real quick, just in terms of let's say you know everything works out. Mm-hmm. For the positive, Bambi Thug goes and wins. Maybe wins Ireland's first Eurovision in forever. And of course, you saw like, you know, on the Late Late Show, there were like people on Twitter being like, oh, what the fuck is this? You know, we used to be a country. Shut the fuck up. Uh, it's the Eurovision. So <laughs> why are you so incensed? Lordy won like 10 years 2006, ago. 2006, I think it was. Oh, what? I think it was 2006. <laughs> is that I'm, eight? I know. I think it was 2006. It's like, the only Eurovision act I've ever voted for. Uh, my mother loved them. I thought to they were my amazing. Hang on a second. Uh, you wanted to analyze another part of the song, didn't I, you? I do, and I have a little bit of a a little bit of a preamble before I do that. But we were talking this time last year about how everything Ireland put forward was so safe, and everything that Ireland put forward in the last couple of years has just really been f- like quite beige in terms of like the songwriting, and it's just been really safe and. We've been doing the same kind of like, you know, big ballady cross pop kind of thing. But like this year, I saw a real change from, you know, in the writing side and the production side um, from the, I suppose, the short list of entries. And I think the the outro of the Bambi Tug uh, song, it really highlights how different they they have they've gone this year and how uh the fact that this won to me is just absolutely amazing. That fucking rules. That's so good. How good is that? So yeah, sorry, I forgot that actually last night before Jeff Rosenstock came on stage, uh, do you know what him and his band came on to? That? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. Imagine. No. Imagine. They, over the speakers, they played Chop Suey by System of a Den. That's pretty great, yeah. And like, as the lights kept lowering and lowering, and then like by the time the band came on, they came on in time for the end of the song and like joined in with it. Oh, I love that. I was like, that's an incredible way to start a gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That song is fucking awesome. It's like Doomsday Blue. Doomsday Bambi Blue Thug. by Bambi Tug. Like easily the best song we've sent in over a decade. Um I think it was the right choice. I love it. I yeah. I think that it will do like if the contest progresses as normal taking the political stuff and putting that to the side for a minute. I do think that if this doesn't make the finals, it's <laughs> 
a, an absolute travesty. Yeah. I think if it does make the finals, we're in with a very good shout for a top And if finish. it doesn't make the finals after Wild Youth didn't last year with a much more comparatively bland track and performance, well then what do you want? This is Eurovision. <laughs> what do you want, guys? This is Eurovision. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, it's funny because like I was, again, I was making the point earlier in the week that like I was like, oh, you know, there's a bit of Slipknot in here. And I was talking about kneecap and I was like, there's a bit of Slipknot in there. And I'm like, I have to stop comparing everything to Slipknot. <laughs> like a bit of Slipknot. Yeah. Sli- Get the Slipknot vibes off this as the Slipknot... <laughs> flag at the gig lowers and the band come on stage uh, you want to talk about Justin Timberlake I was going to move on to Donald Trump to finish the episode but you, you actually have a, a Justin Timberlake I section ha- I have that you didn't put in the notes no I didn't put it in the notes because <laughs> you want to surprise I, me it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard he's back isn't he he's back with an album promo voiced by Benicio Del Toro and it sounds like this I haven't heard this I can't wait what do we have here ooh that's a nice car wait it's a model did that say JT? Okay, that sunset is definitely not real. Ah, oh, there's Justin. Why wouldn't he turn around? What the f is he staring at? So that was the voice of Benicio del Toro. Uh, voicing like doing a running commentary on was something like a fucking uh, what's that weird director guy Kubrick no not Kubrick the David Lynch no the other guy is like the he, he keeps making he did uh, Grand Budapest Hotel and that Wes was, Anderson Wes Anderson it looks like a fucking Wes Anderson like great thing and it just, you heard my rant on the awards episode look. I, I just I fucking can't deal with this shit he should have stopped after Future Sex Love Sounds oh he's uh, that's never coming back so Man of the Woods was his last album 2018 yeah. which was a disaster yeah, a tra- an absolute trash fire a disaster and now he's back and apparently the first song is some kind of love ballad again it's, he won't learn his lesson it's Adam it's a song that Justin Bieber threw in the bin he won't learn his lesson it's like if Justin Bieber had it it'd be good but he's coming back and Britney Spears has come out and said like that she's sorry for things she said in her book and also his new song is a banger. I smell something fishy going on there. Okay, well, let's leave that for now and see yeah. what develops in that. But I found that odd as well. Um, yeah, I just, I still haven't, I haven't brought myself to hear this new song, but I'm I'm, I'm going to trust the reviews. He's saying that NSYNC are back in the studio. It just feels like Future Sex Love Sounds never happened. <laughs> and the best parts what? of, like, how? like a song like Mirrors off the 2020 experience. Like It just feels like this period of time was a real, like, he made a deal with the devil. Yeah. And the devil was like, you can have that, yeah. But I'm putting a timer on you. And once that clock ticks down, JT, you're back to bland. He can't get back to, to being cool anymore. It's just gone. And also... Although we haven't heard the album yet. Who knows? Maybe. I believe... Like, if, if Timbaland... I know Timbaland is involved in the forthcoming record. I... If he's involved in this... This single, Selfish, it's called. Um, it is a beast that never... It has, like, been dug out of dry... Sto- like, cold storage <laughs> from fucking years ago that Bieber didn't want. I'm telling you, it, it'd be a great Justin Bieber song. 2015 trash file. It, I swear to God, it'd be <laughs> great. If iMac. it was on purpose, It w- if it was on, like, the Justin, the Justin Bieber album purpose, it would be great. 
I see no other good side to this. Anyway, that's my two cents. On okay, uh, we'll finish off with Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> As who, per. Who's probably going to beat Joe Biden in a landslide this year, unfortunately. But um, I don't know. I mean, if we get back to some of the some of the classic Trump tweets, like I just, I dug one out last night when I was hanging out with Craig and I was well, like, let's go. Best, best accent, please. I can't do the impression. <laughs> um, but the tweet itself is one of his greatest. Um, I actually can't even remember what it's referring to, but it's from... Uh, 2019, and he goes on Twitter and he just goes, best line in the Elizabeth Warren beer catastrophe is to her husband, quote, thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. End quote. It's their house. He's supposed to be there. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking why? Someone take why? this man's phone away why, from him. Why does he have to be so funny? He's horrible. Anyway, why am I talking about Trump? Laugh um, at, not laugh with funny, by the way, everybody. Laugh at, on occasion, laugh with, with man. I, I, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing remains the funniest fucking shit ever. You may have to jog my memory. I have no idea. Let's play it. She just died? Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. Yeah, I mean, that is, that, like, uh, that's care for a bad day, you know? Yeah. She just died. I'm just finding this out now. <laughs> uh, you're breaking the news to me now. It's so good. It's perfect. Anyway, look, the reason I'm talking about Trump is rock band Green Day, it says here. Uh, altered, this, this happened on, like, New Year's Eve, so this is how late we are to the party. Uh, they altered the lyrics of their well-known song, American Idiot, to criticise Donald Trump during a televised New Year's Eve performance. They were doing Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. And I, I had to look this up, because I was like, Dick Clark's surely long gone, and he is, in fact, dead for many years now. But I guess <laughs> the brand, you know... The brand lives on. The brand is too strong. <laughs> Comes out once a year. Billy Joe Armstrong replaced the line, I'm not a part of a redneck agenda, with I'm not a part of the MAGA agenda. And people got very mad. Um, Green Day fans flocked to social media, you know, and then Trump fans flocked to social media. Basically, people were like, you know, keep politics out of your music, Green Day. Are you fucking kidding that me? song is 20 years old. <laughs> But like that song, and is, it was anti George Bush. I was gonna say <laughs> it's the same principle. This song is literally like it, it's political by nature. Ugh. This is like the people who say that Rage Against the Machine should keep politics out of music. Like it's like we wouldn't have Rage Against the Machine. I just want to hear the riffs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to fucking Tom Morello solo stuff. Then like, I just don't get it. I saw like yeah, I don't know. There's like people are uh, there's a weird line here in this piece. Uh, Many critics are sounding the alarm over a possible second Trump administration, signaling that the second time around could be much worse. It, well, I tell you, it probably fucking will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah it will. Yeah. Then it says here, Trump also faces criticism for using inflammatory language, such as calling his left-wing opponents quote-unquote vermin, resembling Adolf Hitler's rhetoric. Now, far be it from me to defend either Donald Trump... I don't know where you're going with Adolf this. Hitler. All I'm saying is vermin. People use the word vermin. Like, yeah. like that's like... I've, I've called people like cretins. You're a rat. Yeah, you're... Uh, you know, oh, yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I was doing some research today for a podcast they were doing about like a, a footballer who was uh, caught offside, shall we say, in his, <laughs> in his marriage, right? Please tell me that's... You're going with that title. I put, I put playing away, but my producer wants to use straight offside. We'll see what, we'll see what comes out in the wash. Stay tuned to the Indo Daily, everybody. <laughs> but hang on, here's the thing, right? Uh, and I have to give Dave Higgins a lot of credit for this because he's brought it up before in, in work, um, I believe. Do you know what the greatest tabloid phrase of all time is? Uh, uh, does it involve the word romp? No, no. Like it's not. It doesn't have romp. It okay. doesn't. It doesn't have tryst. Okay. You know, 
bonk any of bonk, those yeah. no no love rat <laughs> love rat is fucking unreal <laughs> <laughs> so good and just oh, to clarify I wasn't defending hell. I wasn't defending Adolf Hitler or Donald Trump I was saying that you know I think I think I've heard people use the word vermin I've heard everyday people use that word yeah like let's let's well, when let's it's just, love vermin it's different love vermin yeah my new album after what was it uh, what, uh something of oh, accent I, I can't remember oh um uh, androg- androgynous something like that yeah, 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 yeah. androgynous accents um, of the androgynous yeah, yeah. I know. but uh, look listen the point is that Donald Trump right has a new favourite band anyway so See you later, Green Day. Is it Kid Rock? Probably is. No, it's the Smiths. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) Right? He must have seen The Killer. He must have seen Michael Fassbender's The Killer. In fairness, that'd sway anybody. It was despite Morrissey and any uh, your misgivings with Morrissey. The tunes are great. As promised, by the way, Richard Chambers and I went to see that Smiths tribute band. And fucking awesome. I was really sick, and yeah, I loved it. It was great. Uh, yeah, oh, it, was, it was really, really good. Uh, these Charming Men, they're yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, I'd never seen them before. I'd heard tell, obviously. They ran for a long time. Another Button Factory show? No, it was Whelan's, Whelan's actually. Okay. Whelan's main room around just after Christmas, and I was in a horrible depression funk as well, so it, it helped. Yeah, I seen Smith's songs live, <laughs> but it was upbeat and fun. Um, get this, right? Halfway through the set, uh, they only went and played the best Morrissey solo single ever. And most people just like stopped. Like the guy in front of me was kind of like, "What's this?" Went to the bar kind of business. Yeah, and me and Richard were like, "Went." We were like, "What?" We went <laughs> mental. We were like football hooligans, <laughs> first of the gang to die. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Oh god, I was like, "This is unbelievable." <laughs> yeah, throwing her head like Hector. <laughs> yeah, so good. Great yeah. show. Has been picked in a top five before, I believe, uh, and rightly fucking so. Yeah. That's I know Morrissey's Morrissey, but I'm sorry. That's one of the best songs ever. Anyway, the point is Trump. Uh, you know, he's had people we've talked about this like he's used music by village people John Fogarty Phil mm-hmm. Collins Lincoln Park and everyone's like please stop using our music yeah, he's had a couple of cease and desists uh, pre-rally playlist there when he was at a rally in New Hampshire last week I think it was the week before mm-hmm. um, he included please 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 let me get what I want by the Smiths oh, God. In at the rally I mean <laughs> like, he votes I guess is what he wants it's a very and- downbeat song though like it wouldn't really get you going Probably not, no. Um, but it's the message. It's all about the message. Johnny Myers responded. <laughs> Someone winged it his way on social media. What did he say? What he, he quoted say a tweet and he said, ah, right, okay, I never in a million years would have thought this could come to pass. Consider this shit shut right down right now. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, tell us how you really feel there, Johnny. Um, there's also a thing here where it says, you might think that Morrissey, you know, who supported... Uh, the right-wing extremist group for Britain. Oh, Morrissey, what are you doing? And has become obsessed with cancel culture. Would have no problem with this, but he he did once tell German publication Der Spiegel that he'd be willing to kill Donald Trump, quote, for the safety of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But you know what? You know what's like genuinely funny about that is Morrissey is one hundred percent serious. Oh yeah. There's not a, like I feel like there's not an ironic bone in that man's body. Probably not. No. God bless him. Lots of melancholic bones, though. Oh, more than I could possibly count. That's our new band, Melancholic Bones. <laughs> melancholic Bones. <laughs> All right, like I said, everybody, uh, we are back for a new season. We should have a guest next week. Um, we will have a guest next Well, week. we're working on it. I'm manifesting it right now. <laughs> I, have lot, it. <laughs> I have a lot of bookings in the calendar, but things, you know, things fall apart. We all yeah. fall apart. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get this episode early, well, you know, you would have if you're on Patreon. Patreon, yeah. Patreon. You've Patreon. Heard this before. Yeah. Everyone else. Patreon.com slash no encore. The new home 
home for early access to No Encore. 24 hours early access. Regular on Friday as normal. And uh, yeah, that's that, Adam. We didn't talk about Madonna being sued by her fans for turning up late. Listen, we've got plenty of time left. What do you think about that, you know? Pretty hilarious. I'd like to see a, a lawyer be like, I, what is, it's like, I call Axel Rose to the stand. Is it a class action? Like, what's the story here? <laughs> Two fans went to a gig and she was on much too late and they oh, said... Oh, they that, like know, had travelled or something. That kind of stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I ah, mean, suck it up. It's an artist. They do it. They, they're going to do it. <laughs> it's an artist. You go to see You go to see Lauren Hill. Yeah. You like arrive two hours late and you'll get there still half an hour early. I kind of think you got to... Uh, I don't take the piss though, you know? And yeah. actually that's another thing to... Last thing on the Jeff Rosenstock gig, which was very, very good. I think I was just a bit tired. Mm. Uh, on stage at nine on the button. Factory. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <Da-da-da-da>. <laughs> My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. <laughs> See you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.